Welcome to the Close Knit Podcast, a podcast that showcases fiber artists from around the world. You're listening to episode 22, and this week I spoke to Brandy Harper of Pearl Bee Knit. Brandy is a knitter and a lover of natural fibers who lives in Brooklyn. We cover the usual podcast topics, but Brandy and I took a little bit of a different angle with this podcast episode. It occurred to me recently that my podcast guests, whilst varied in their, in their craft forms, have mainly come from similar ethnic backgrounds. I want to use the podcast as a way to hold space for people of all backgrounds, and especially voices that are not typically heard from in the craft community. I'm so excited to get to share with you this chat that I had with Brandy, and I think I'm honestly just going to leave it at that and let this podcast episode speak for itself. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, it's Ani of Close Knit, and I'm here with Brandy Harper of Proby Knit. Hey, Brandy. Hi. How's it going? <laughs> it's going really well. I'm so excited yeah. to talk with you. Me too. Me too. Um, we were chatting a little bit before this, and I feel like I was nervous that we were going to get all the good stuff out before we even started recording. So I was like, I have to just stop this conversation now, and we have to hit record, because otherwise... We won't have a podcast. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I'm going to jump straight into it, Brandy. What's your fiber of choice and what sort of craft medium do you gravitate toward the most? Um, so I love natural fibers. I like 100% natural fibers. Uh, mostly like merino wool. I love merino wool. Mm -hmm. It just has like great elasticity and there's so much give, but also... Um, it just blocks really well and I like the way it feels, you know, on the body. So merino wool has to be like my top favorite, although I can't really say that because it's, you know, it's more, it's not, it's unfair. It's like all the other fibers, Yeah. but, um, yeah, natural fibers, Yeah. natural fibers. Yeah. And you're a knitter. Is that mainly a knitter? I'm mainly a knitter. Mm. I knit and I crochet mm. and, um, and I sew a little bit, I hand sew, but it's not something like I, I delve too deeply into. But I'm mostly a knitter. I've been knitting like 15, 15 years wow. now. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> I know, putting it into years is always a little bit like, oh, am I that old? Uh-oh. <laughs> yes, yes, I am. 15, uh, 15 years now. Yeah. Did someone teach you to knit back then? No, I taught myself. Okay. I taught myself. Like, I just had, like, some knitting books that I got from Scholastic News. I got the big book of knitting, and then I got the Vogue knitting, like, design book, like, technique how-to book, which was, like, retail $50 ridiculousness, but with Scholastic News, I think I got it for, like, $5 or something, nice. or maybe even for free, <laughs> something really amazing, and I taught myself. Yeah, wow. How old were you then? I was 14 when I taught myself to crochet and then 15 when I taught myself to knit. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember your first project? Probably some rotten scarf I no longer have. Honestly, I honestly can't remember. Um, I think it had, to be, it had to have been like a scarf that I, that I no yeah. longer have. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's yeah. usually how it goes. Something made of kind of questionable materials, <laughs> really strange colors. <laughs> yes, I'm pretty sure it was 100% acrylic, like the stuff you get from the 99 cents. So like the, the, I'm not going to name any names, but like the 100% like acrylic, like yeah. rug yarn that you get from the 99 cents store. I'm sure it was that. Yeah, yeah. Because hey, when you're starting, it's sort of like, I don't know if I'm going to be into this. I'm not trying to spend $50 on a, you know, scarf <laughs> quantity. Totally, totally. So... 
did you, you started knitting back then and then did you kind of keep that going throughout your teenagehood into your adulthood or how did that look? Oh my goodness. So I taught myself to knit when I was 15 and then I wanted expensive yarn. Like I wanted the good stuff. And mm -hmm. my mom was like, my mom saw those prices. <laughs> you better get out of here and give yourself a job. And um, a year later, I got a job at a yarn shop. I started working at a yarn shop, which is really, really amazing in Brooklyn. I was like 16. Um, oh, man. Yeah, that was like the best thing that could have ever happened. And then um, like they quickly like gave me a raise and they just started giving me more responsibility. And I started doing like pattern writing and um, knitting for the store. And then shortly after, they closed and one of the teachers there opened up her own yarn shop. And she was like... You want to come and teach for me? I was like, sure. And I was like 17, getting paid $25 an hour to teach knitting classes. And Hell yeah. Yeah, it was like, I was like, oh my God, it's so much money. And I was in high school, so um, it was like a big deal. And then I, knitting pretty much was with me always. I was, like, I was going to school for international politics, having nothing to do with knitting or fiber or fashion. Um, mm -hmm. But I was like, had a focus in gender and development but all throughout that time I was teaching knitting classes when I came home for the holiday when I was um you know home for summer and it, it pretty much like just took hold of me as soon as I picked up the needles yeah yeah so good what's your favorite part about the fiber arts and what's one thing in particular you're excited about right now um it's really forgiving fiber is mm. extremely forgiving I know that I can, especially natural fiber, I can rip it out a hundred times and it's just going to knit back up so beautifully. And there's so much longevity in the fiber. And I really, really love that. Um, the fiber roll in general, like knitting people are just really crazy. They're like really just nuts and, <laughs> and amazing, myself included. We're just like kind of wonky, you know, you put like mm. 10 knitters in a room, there's like there's like energy radiating from that group of just like frustration and you know just happiness and just great things just working and learning how to do something new with fiber so um I love knitters I love I love I love the actual makers within the fiber yeah yeah do you feel like you found most of those? Um, I mean, because you're in New York, right? So yeah. you've got a pretty, I would imagine, a pretty big like, yeah. population at your disposal. How, do you feel like you've found a majority of that community in person or is it kind of online for you? It's mostly online because even mm. even like like when I started my business in 2012, you know, before that, I, knitting was always really solitary for me. There was never, it was very rarely that you would see me like in a knitting circle and a knitting group if I wasn't, because knitting was work for me. I taught knitting, I worked in a yarn shop. Mm -hmm. And so being in knitting circles would just be, I would automatically become a teacher. And so I couldn't, mm -hmm. I couldn't really, and I was inclined to be a teacher. If I see someone struggling in a knitting circle and I've been there, it happened to me a couple of times where I realized that knitting circles are probably just not going to be a place where I can like find peace. <laughs> Yeah, you know, like yeah. peaceful sit down knitting. Um, yeah. So, you know, when I like work in the yarn shop, I met so many knitters. I taught knitters. Like, I, you know, I, I'm still in contact with a lot of my students who still make me really, really like they're spinning yarn now, like making their own yarn, like doing amazing things. But mostly I keep in contact with them online. Um, mm -hmm. And then um, Instagram, like opened up my world. Like, that's how I met you. It was like Instagram just like, like, bing. Now I have like knitters who are just like I'm connected with in Russia who and they're amazing. 
and and Iceland and and, and Paris and like all these amazing places and Australia and mm-hmm. but mostly the the community I found has been online. Um, there's a yeah. huge community of like knitters. There's knitting circles all around the city. Um, Meetup.com. It's just like there's a list of them and yeah, it's not something that I really have explored too much since it was always like not going to work for me. <laughs> yeah. No, that I feel like that's such an important thing to talk about the when you find yourself in a teaching role and I I struggle with this myself because I I am I do the same thing where I've been teaching, I taught workshops throughout university, college and stuff and do I do that sometimes on the weekends and things and I really like I really enjoy teaching and I find it really fun. But that same thing of like, where do you draw the line between giving it all away and paying yourself, you know, an income for your time? Like, how did you kind of, what was that process like for you to like making that call to not, not give it, you know, I mean, it's not the right thing to say, not give it away, but kind of that wasn't a space that you could find your peace, you know? Yeah, it just, it was, it was auto, it was, a lot of the times the knitting circles that I would go to, the people, they worked, the, they, they, they were also members of, well, customers of the yarn shop I worked at. So there was mm. one um, that I really loved, the knitter, his name was Tony. He's an amazing, like, killer knitter. Like, I love him so much. His name is the Yarn Monkey. Um, and he created, yeah, I love him, and he created his own knitting circle, but and a lot of students were, he, you know, he taught knitting classes the same yarn shop I did, and he was promoting this class through this yarn shop, through his other, like, you know, yarn shop knitty, like, meetings and things, and so I would be surrounded by customers, and so for me, it was like, mm. you know, it was even, I don't, I didn't mind giving away for free, that was the thing, it was like, yeah, if, if that was my intention, it was to sit here and, like, teach them how to do something, like, I'm like, yeah, of course, I'm not gonna say no, but then when I thought mm. about, oh, you know, I have this sweater. Oh, my God. I can't wait to finish it. I just have, like, this, you know, next five inches to, to you know, to knit, to be done. You know, what, going to a knitting circle, is that going to happen for me? And so yeah, it kind of, yeah. yeah, and I was like, no, it's not going to happen for me. And it, was, <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't like any malice or like, oh, these people asking me for help. It was more like I just wouldn't be able not to help people if they needed help. And I would yeah. just completely neglect my own project. It just was just the reality of like I just I just couldn't. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just couldn't. Yeah. I just couldn't. Yeah, yeah. That's probably gonna get done in front of some Netflix, <laughs> yes, not going out yes. to the pub to knit with people. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And trust me, I love me some get my little you know 18th century Jay Austen going or something, and I get my knitting on. Oh man, it's a good time. Oh, I love that shit. Yes. I love like. I am logged into somebody else's Netflix account. <laughs> Are you getting their recommendations? <laughs> and I feel like I screw up her net, like Probably. Netflix recommendations because I'm always like looking for the weird. Um, there's always like B- BBC series and stuff. Yes, yes. The there was best. A, some like show about a. Um, oh, forget the paradise or something like that so yes, like yes. the old hotel yes, yes. <laughs> they had like beautiful costumes I, I was like wow look about. at the costume yes. that's actually in my list I haven't started why is it my list it's oh it's is so it good? good there's only two seasons ah. I burnt through that in like one sweater sitting oh, I was just I like damn it, it. <laughs> oh yeah absolutely um so you mentioned that you started Pearl Bean it in 2012? Yeah, right? 2012. Like, officially yeah. got my, like, 
my Etsy name. It was 2012. Gotcha. Can you walk me through that? Like, how did you choose Etsy? Like, how did you kind of set that up? How did you decide to name it that and become become that and do you know take the route that you've taken with it um well when I left I had like a lot of different things that happened to me after school like I had a lot of different jobs I worked with Planned Parenthood um I was working with the government for a while um I was a barista I was just like dabbling in lots of different things um and I had a huge like life shift where I had the opportunity to leave my, you know, daytime work and really open up my business. Um, at the very least, leave some of my daytime work and open up my business. And I was at the time working at a cafe still. And I decided like that would be like a little like monetary stream kind of funneling to running, you know, to open up ProBeNet. And so mm-hmm. I just decided, yeah, I'm going to do it. And I started with Etsy because I was already shopping on Etsy. I like bought jewelry on Etsy and like beads and things <laughs> um, from that marketplace. And so it was for me like a natural transition into as a user into a shop owner. And at that back then, Etsy wasn't like really known. Like people were like, oh yeah, I kind of know what, I think I saw something, you know, it wasn't mm-hmm. what it is now. Um, and so there was a kind of like novelty to it, like a secret world that I really like that kind of, and if, if being around other makers made it feel like, you know, I wasn't all alone, you know, I was like starting with other creative entrepreneurs. And so it was a great support system just being around other other people who were like selling what they what they love to do. And um, and I called it probably net because my, my brother, he used to call me be knit. He'll be like, yo, be knit. And I'm like, <laughs> quite the Brooklyn guy like you can imagine like black guy with the with the you know with the sneakers and the whole thing like yo be this and it just always made me laugh um and he's amazing he knows what blocking is he's like oh you blocking that I'm like yes I am so he's like a man after my own heart seriously like he knows what blocking is he like knows the terms oh he's like you're weaving in your ends I'm like oh (laughs) like you're listening to me so I kind of all I like I love him. He's like my favorite person in the world. He's just a good, good jokester. It's hilarious. And um, so I was Venus, and then I just decided to attach pearl to it because pearl is my favorite stitch in knitting. It's not the knit stitch; it is the pearl stitch. And so interesting. And yes, yeah. Controversial <laughs> statement. Controversial. <laughs> like, oh, I hate pearling. People like say always oh, say that. I hear them say it a lot. I hate the pearl. I love pearling. Um, I I actually pearl faster than I knit. Yeah. And so, um, and so it was like pearl be knit. And so like, I have to say like, it's it's the pearl, you got the knit and then B is how I put my stank on it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So corny. I love it. I always say it and it's so corny, but that's like one of my little things I came up with my sister. Pearl and knit and B is how I put my stank on it. Pearl be knit. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. It's you, you know? It's just you. <laughs> so good. And then you've always stuck with Etsy, right? Yeah, I haven't left Etsy yet. Um, I'm, I'm working on my own like website right now just because I do a lot of things other than knit. I also teach. Yeah. It's like crafty business classes. 
I've done some brand strategy work and like photography for um, a couple of businesses in Brooklyn. And so mm. I realized that, you know, knitting like Etsy is a really great place to sell my work. But there's so much so much about me as an artist and as a maker um, that can't be really shared on Etsy in a, in a way that looks cohesive. And and so building my own website is a great way for me to kind of put, you know, Brandy Harper um, in like a box. And, you know, I'm a knitter, I'm a teacher, I'm a branding strategist, curriculum developer, and be able to like to kind of flesh it all out. But I've only like stayed on Etsy mostly because like I really like Etsy. I love Etsy. Yeah, yeah. And they've been really good to me as a company. Um, and I have a, a great like following and repeat buyership on Etsy. And so I decided just, I would just stick with it. Mm-hmm. And do you, I remember seeing that you did work with Etsy, or correct me if I'm totally butchering this, um, doing the like creative entrepreneurship yes. classes, right? Yes, yep, yeah. yep. Can you talk to me about that? Yeah, um, so the class is called NYC Craft Entrepreneurship, and it's a five-class course that was created with Etsy in collaboration with Small Business Services of New York. And Small mm. Business Services of New York is more like, it's like a, it's like a, a government um, a New York state government institution that offers like workshops and classes and resume building and find a job workshops and grant writing, things like that. And so that is our partner with Etsy. We partnered with that um, organization to administer the class. And so the first yeah. class is about like what it means to be an entrepreneur, like setting expectations is not Oh, I'm gonna wake up tomorrow, and then the next, you know, next week I'm, I'm gonna be a billionaire and buy my mama a house. You know, <laughs> like wake mm-hmm. up and I'm like it. Um, more like, okay, well, what is that practical? Um, mm. You know, what does that mean? Time management. We talk a lot about time management. And then the second class is about branding and branding and marketing strategy. So we talk about telling your personal story, like what is your products about? And interesting enough, like artists find it very difficult to describe what they do. Like, it's like, it's mm. so hard for us to talk about ourselves and to talk about our products. And we always come up with these really creative names, but we really need this really key words to describe what we do. So that class is all about that. And then um, photography, hands-off photography workshop, pricing for profit, sustainability, and other ways to grow your craft. And so we talk about, you know, what you should be focusing on as you, you know, you grow your business and other like financial issues, taxes and things like that. And so I've been teaching that for... Going on like it's like two and a half years now, which has really yeah. been yeah, it's been amazing. Like I can't even believe mm. it. And it's all throughout um it's in all five boroughs of New York. But the class is also offered in the UK, in Jersey, in um Rockford, Illinois. There's a couple of different places the classes offer, but um I was there from the like during the pilot, during the first program launched in Brooklyn. I was a part of it and I've I've stayed on with there from like from then yeah to now yeah that's really cool like how did you did they approach you about doing that no I applied I applied oh okay I applied yeah Yeah, that information trickled down through my Etsy New York team I'm a member of like the Etsy New York team and it's not like a Etsy street team it's um like 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 one of their forum teams on the platform it's more like a separate organization Mm. you know combining Etsy sellers from the tri-state area um and you'd be like there's like an annual fee to be a member and most of the time we're just doing we do markets together we organize events together we do like um shop building and and um shop building workshops things like that and um that the job funnel through there and I applied and and I got it 
Yeah, yeah. that's really cool. <laughs> yeah. It's so, so cool. Yeah. Like, to just hear you talk about having a space where people, like, a, you know, having your craft, like, Etsy group where people are, like, just just even to bounce ideas off of, yeah. hold each other accountable. There are so many times where I'm like, I just wish I had somebody right here. Yeah. Like I can pro you know, I could probably make this happen. I should make this happen. Just like somebody who is physically proximate to me so that I could have accountability meetings and yeah. have them be like, Did you edit that podcast episode? And I'll yeah. be like, I got about three quarters of the way and then there was that Netflix and those cookies on my counter and I just, I don't know what happened. I just died. Just blanked out. Or even like I had a, my old, my old job that I worked at, we had, this is actually, I think it's actually really cool what they did. We had like accountability meetings with our oh, yeah. directly above us person and they were we were being held accountable not only for our like company goals but also for our personal goals and you would set your personal goals and mine were things like call your mother weekly go on two runs yep. like yeah cook dinner for yourself they're just really simple things but just having somebody there to be like hey did you call your mom and if so, you know, if you didn't, why not? Yep. You know, just yep. that kind of thing. It's like amazing. And I think that class, and then this is like, that class is for people who've never sold anything on Etsy. So you could have like mm. have an Etsy shop, but you've never sold anything or you want to open up an Etsy shop completely from scratch. And like even some mm. of the people there are like, they don't even know what products they want to make. And so they do like a many different things or they, they've always dreamed of selling something that they could possibly make. So a lot of people are like different levels. So kind of being able to have someone in front of them. And I'm like looking at them like I like, I don't know all the answers. But I'm going to share with you mm. my experience. And then and just to, to have someone who's like experienced it up there talking about it with them, I think. I think it's helpful and I feel so inspired by them, too. But they, they keep me accountable, too. Like I'm saying, oh, guys, um. Like I look through my shop, I'm like, oh, actually, I need to add more information about this item and this item and this item. Like I'm teaching, I'm not even yeah. doing what I'm preaching. So, um, so they keep they hold yeah. me accountable too. Like, hey, Brittany, you didn't put that. Like, oh yeah, yeah, I got I got to put that in there too. You know. Oh, so we Just teach each other. You know, so give me give me a minute. So we like teach yeah. you know we hold each other accountable and we teach each other which I love so much. Yeah. How do we? Um how do we prod the Etsy Australia into doing these? <laughs> Cause as far as I know, they don't exist here. Maybe they yeah. do give a little shout out. I mean, I think them. I know that the woman who like is an Etsy seller who like really made a, a big like push to get Etsy into um, Illinois. And it was, it happened because someone was determined to make it happen. Like finding a mm. partner um, and I know Etsy Australia has like a huge Etsy New York team, right? Like they have a Etsy New York, Etsy Australia has like a, a team, right? I think so. I think so. Yeah. I think they do. I think, no, I think they do. I've like looked at sure. it before. No, I'm pretty sure that, I'm pretty sure they have like, they're on Instagram and I'm pretty sure they exist. Um, yeah. and so just having like someone take, you know, kind of the lead and connecting Etsy with a partner to administer the class. I think it just needs one person at the center of it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Accountability, driving yeah. things forward. <laughs> yes. Yes. We're just going to get someone to own that one and just, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll attend the classes when they, yes. when they make them happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ooh, yeah. I think, I think yeah, I think it's like, it's a, it's a job. It's like, okay, this is a job. 
Yeah. 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 It's a job. Yeah. No, it's so sick that that's part of your, like, part of the way you make your income. Oh, yeah. Is your income kind of pieced together from those different things? It's kind of like teaching this, that. Can you walk me through that? Okay. So I piece it together from my Etsy shop. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I do in-person markets, mostly during the winter. That's when I make, like, most of my crafty business income. Um, And then I teach the small business services class and craft entrepreneurship class. Mm-hmm. Um, I've taken on like several freelance projects since I opened up my business, branding strategy, curriculum development for a museum of art and design in the city. Mm-hmm. That was really, wow. that was really awesome. Um, I did some curriculum development and teaching for a land organization and they, or they're an organization that help people who've like been homeless, children who've aged out of foster care, like they give them housing and also provide like personal and professional development courses. And so I was coming in for the arts and culture department and creating um, classes like beading and journaling and knitting and things like that. So I did that for some time. Um, Yeah, the first like year of my business, I was working at a cafe. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I I, I, like, (laughs) like it comes from all like angles. Um, and, and I, and I make it work. It's always very much a happy hustle. Always, Mm -hmm. always. Mm. And New York is like one of the most expensive places on the planet. So there's no, there's no stopping. Yeah. Yeah. That's like such a beautiful way to put it though. A happy hustle. Uh, that, and that's what it is. Yeah, because I feel like sometimes I can frame this sort of thing as like, a oh, it's hand to mouth, like in this really negative light of like, oh, I'm piecing all these things together. What am I doing? I don't have a thing, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think that's pretty special. Do you feel like, is New- so New York has always been home, right? Always. I was born, I was born in Miami, yeah. but we moved to New York when I was like four, three or four. And um, yeah. yeah, so I grew up in Brooklyn. Mm. Yeah, I grew and up in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. I live in Brooklyn. Yeah. <laughs> I love Brooklyn so much. <laughs> mm. It seems like a really cool place. Oh my god, it's awesome. It's like mostly like nonstop though. It's like just and it kind of it's good for me because I very much have a a restless spirit. I'm always moving around. Always have to have a million things on my plate, and so being in the city kind of feeds that kind of energy mm-hmm. <laughs> like the keep going energy which mm-hmm. I which I love yeah yeah mm-hmm. that's so awesome so before we got started recording you and I were talking a little bit about um a subject that not very many people talk about on blogs or podcasts or their instagrams or just generally in their lives um which is sort of ethnicity and um gender mainly ethnicity in the space of craft yeah and I think like you know we were I was acknowledging that I am conscious of the fact that I I don't necessarily have the right language Mm -hmm. to talk about it and that sometimes that totally just stops me from talking about it Mm -hmm. um but like you correct me if I'm wrong again here you identify as a black person. I yeah? do. Yes. Yeah. Black and okay. proud. Say loud. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And like that just seems to me um, unique in this space. Can you talk to me about that? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's interesting because I, I very often, especially online, especially like on social media, I'm very much always like 
a black person in a white space always. And it's, mm-hmm. it's nothing, it's not like, oh God, like where are my people? It's more like, oh yeah, they're, no, they're, they're like, I'm like shaking my head from like left to right going, oh yeah, there's no other person of color around me. Um, and so I often do feel that way. And I think, I think that, you know, for me as an artist, it's been really good because I can like stand out in a way because I kind of come from a different background. I have a different like upbringing, obviously all the cultural um, aspects of being a person of color and being specifically a black person um, Mm. in the world. My, the way I look at craft is more like how I look at everything, you know, like how I feel in other spaces, like at school on the, on a plane to Europe or something, being a person of color in a white space. And it's nothing, it doesn't feel like, I don't think it's intentional. I don't think people intentionally like not have a brown face on ever on the cover of their like knit magazines or like if they never ever, you know, like, you know, if they're a featured account, they never feature any per like artists of color. I don't think it's necessarily intentional. I think it's just a lack of awareness of mm. the privilege that, if I had to put white people in a box as a whole, white people, like yeah. white privilege, um, I think is this like a, a not a, a unawareness. It's, yeah. you know, it's more like an unawareness than anything intentional or like malicious, but it's something I'm quite aware of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course you yeah. would be. Cause it's yeah. like, I scroll through my Instagram, which is mainly crafters and folks, and it's mainly white women, you know? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It just feels I am a white woman, yeah. so I can't, you know, like, obviously I can't deny that part of my personhood and the privilege that comes with that, but it is such an interesting um, thing that I sort of face with the podcast and finding people to talk to on the podcast and wondering whether I'm continually putting out the same voice in different forms do you know what I mean like I think that having that awareness is what so and, and you know I think I think like when we're talking about this in the in the context of craft it's almost like banal right it's like mm. it's not like like you know being the only brown person in, the, in in the craft community on Instagram which of course I'm not but like the one of a thousand or one of a hundred I don't know what the ratio is yeah. it's not like um it, it it's more it, it, it's not as important as you know like the whole issue around black men being like killed by police officers when we think about you know like obviously it's not like oh my god I'm the only black person in the craft community and like my knitting circle my life is over Mm. versus you know I don't think other like people of color can say that that's that's really it's like a a a privilege almost that that's my concern is that in the in the context of craft sure but it is it is important because it kind of reflects the real life things that are all around us, like this kind of institutionalized and kind of since you know like you know institutionalized racism and not in the, not in and people usually say, well, you know, what does that mean? You know, institutionalized racism. It's it's a lack of awareness that mm. and this the keeping the status quo as it is, which we know is very much white male like white men are in power, mm-hmm. just kind of not being aware that that is the reality and letting life go on as it is. So I think yeah. for you, when you say, well, I noticed that, am I, 
am I being inclusive of the people that I follow or inclusive of the voices that represent the craft community? That to me is an awareness that institutionalized racism exists and that color matters, you know, and that it's okay to talk about it. It's okay mm. to be like, am I am I being like, am I really being like the like that like liberal like white guilt person who doesn't want to talk about color because I don't know what to say, or am I gonna be strong enough to be like, you know, actually, Brandy, I hope I don't offend you or tokenize you in any way, but do you mind talking about the fact that you're black? And I'm like, yeah, girlfriend, I don't mind, you know. And I'm like, I like applauded you when you asked me that. I was like, yeah, let's talk about it because I think that. Um, Mm. it's a part of my reality it's uh, you know I didn't grow up with a lot of money and I don't think you have to be a person of color a black person in general even you know anyone to have no money you could be anyone and Mm. be poor Um, Mm. but I didn't grow up with a lot of money but I grew up in a predominantly like black neighborhood and um, I didn't have a lot of access to like these little crafty yarn shops and things like that like the materials I got were from like the 99 cent store like that's where you got materials um, yeah. And so I could, when I did venture out into the knitting world and trying to find yarn shops, it was always like, you know, these sweet little white women you know, sitting at the knitting table, knitting up their little booties, their little socks and things like that. And it was like every single yarn shop I went to was always like that. And so and when yeah. they looked at me, it was funny because I don't think that they I was a t- I was a teacher. I was 17. I was teaching knitting classes. I was like running the freaking yarn shop. I was like a store mm-hmm. manager. So I would walk yeah. in and they would see like this young black female who is not um, is unlike any other person who walks into the space or the, any other person who works into the space, works in the space. Um, I think there was a kind of like, I wouldn't say it was racism or like prejudice. It's more like an unawareness that black young women can be capable of being accomplished knitters and teachers in the craft mm-hmm. world. And so yeah. for me, it was always kind of, I was having like to show or to prove whether it be for, because of my age or because of my color of my skin, or because, you know, I don't know, I'm freaky, I had natural hair or something, I don't know, um, that I belong there. Um, So it was always kind of like an extra step I have to take that I don't think white people have to take. Yeah, yes, yes. I feel like you talking about that is such an important thing. Like the, the fact that like, craft on the grand scheme of things is not important you know it's not <laughs> it's beautiful and I love it and I'm so glad that it exists and that we get to connect over it but it is not a thing that matters really but I think that the where this matters is you being that person in the yarn store showing that old white lady that this young black woman is a badass woman you know <laughs> And like showing up in that space and inhabiting that space and like then this, then a a daughter of yours or a a young woman who you've taught to knit, who is a young black girl gets to, gets to see you doing that, Yeah. you know, and sees you as that person's like normalizing that, making that a thing that, yeah, this girl is here doing this thing and she's black and she's smart and she's powerful. Like that get, like I'm, I'm kind of shivering right now, like the image of that, the thought of that kind of changing over a grand scheme of things and over a period of time, changing how people view people of color in society. That makes me excited, you know? Me too. Yeah. Me too. And I think, you know, a lot of people like online, like email me and say like, oh, like people of all colors, it's not even, it's not only black people like reaching out. It's like, 
all kinds of people from all around the world say, wow, you know, it was so, it's so interesting to see you as like, you know, a black woman, like, you know, like rocking it, like good for you. And I'm like, well, thank you so much. Like this, 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 this acknowledgement that that is something. I think that mm. that is, like, I think that that's something that the fact that being black and a knitter is something to be celebrated. I'm like, wow, mm. that's, that's, that's awesome. That that is yeah. something to be noted, like notable. Um, yeah. And the fact that I can like bring that into the world especially when like I grew knitting has been like such a big part of my life like transform my life and anytime mm. like I travel and I've traveled like mostly throughout Europe and I've very often been like the only like black person ever like in the town period like ever like I went to Prague and I was literally the only black person I've ever I ever saw in that country and like in that city was I was the only black person and of wow. course I went, to, I went to yarn shops and like you know, I, you know, and I walked around and no one, I was like, treated very kindly, maybe because I don't know that people not treating me kindly because I'm a happy person. And if you give me attitude, it's going to ignore you, but, um, yeah. you know, but I, you know, like being in spaces where like to kind of show up and be like, wow, yeah, you do have any black people in your city, but look, this, like this New Yorker came to visit and this is where she wanted to come. You know, she mm. wanted to come and visit you. And just mm-hmm. kind of like, and almost like letting the world know too, like traveling and being online and, and letting people know that, you know, color is a part of the knit of our fabric and that mm-hmm. is okay. And that is awesome. It's like that little speck of like, Hey, that you find in your wool that is almost like you kind of want to pluck it out because it almost doesn't belong, <laughs> but you leave it because it adds character to the yarn, you know, like. Whoa! I think that's how blackness is in the fiber community. Shit, Brandy. (laughs) Yeah. No, yeah. That's like, that's such a, whoa. Yeah, that is like such a powerful way to put it. Because I'm sure there is this like a bit of a rub of like, oh, that doesn't, this doesn't look like what I'm used to seeing. This doesn't fit the paradigm of what I, what I'm, what I like seeing of my like cutesy knitter friends who are white and whatever, (laughs) you know, (laughs) ascribe to a really specific way of being. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh man. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. For being willing to talk about it, you know? Like, it's the sort of thing that I know I'm going to stumble around a bit with, but that and talking about privilege and talking about money, the actual money side of everything, I just think, I just think that's where the good stuff is, you know? It's like, that's where we're actually going to start making, where we're going to grow as a community. Yep. And I think, I think the knowing, just just like a helpful piece of advice. <laughs> like assume, always assume that black people are less sensitized about color than you are. Like yeah. we're like it's 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 a part of like it's just a part of our reality. So talking about color is never like a, oh my god, like that's a taboo conversation to mm. have because we're always having it. And not only mm. like not in like these kind of like you know, not like this kind of angry black person, the slaver is like, not that kind of conversations, but more like, oh, wow. You know, like I went to this event and it was like 30 black women and it was so awesome. And wow, it was great. You know, it was, it's like those kinds of conversations where black is almost like a novelty where like, oh, 
um, or talking about racism or talking about privilege is for us is just kind of like it's nothing like you don't is this very little things you could say to offend us and mm. I can't I want to say us as a whole obviously I can't do that I can't talk for all black people but I can tell you that yeah. for people who have like really good hearted views about being black and living in a and I come from New York I come from Brooklyn so I'm also coming from that realm where I'm around people from all over the world I hear languages three or four languages a day when I'm riding the train all day like I hear all languages you know I have a lot of like friends that that are white and so Mm -hmm. for me I never I've never had to deal with like direct at least I don't I don't know that I have um, like, like belligerent bigotry, you know, um, once or twice I've been called like the end, the, I'll say it, like I've been called a nigger. Um, I was mm. upstate somewhere and they go home niggers. And it was crazy. It was like the one time in my life that that ever happened. Me and my partner were in um, Pennsylvania and we were like, we had a beautiful time in this town and this beautiful little Airbnb, we were leaving and we, they heard, like we screamed, they screamed out to like, go home niggers. And we were like, oh my God. Like, we couldn't believe it. Like, and, and we're, like, two, like, light-skinned women. Like, we're not even, like, dark black women where you think, like, oh, you're going to be dealing with these kinds of issues all the time. Like, we're just, like, regular women walking on the block, and this is what they screamed out at us. And that was, like, the one of the times, and this was, like, recent history that, like, yeah. that has really happened to me. And so my my view of blackness is not as rugged as say a person with darker skin who has like Mm. like darker skin than I do because I'm very light in in skin tone that's darker and then also obviously I'm female so I don't deal with a lot of this you know um like you know police brutality issues I've never been harassed by the police but my brothers have um so that kind of thing and so for us it's not like oh we can't talk about it because we might someone's you know we don't want to hurt anyone for us it's like what we the hurt has been done now it's just a matter of like living it and like getting over it and making changes to make it better um and I and I I love I love when white people talk about color actually (laughs) I think it's fun I think it's necessary I think that it's all too often we get really scared and then we get people say things like all lives matter is like a counterpart to black lives matter and I think what that stems from is like just like obviously we have like the the, the you know the, the the terrible people who are going to say anything because they're racist and that's what their lives but then yeah. I think that there's the other spectrum where it's just like a little ignorance kind of fueled by misunderstanding and I think yes. a lot of the times in these kind of social interactions about color it, it's it, it stems from like where things get really tense and people get afraid and they don't know if they hurt someone's feelings or I hope I didn't offend you it's because there, there is an understanding. There's a lack of understanding. <laughs> yeah, there's understanding. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I, I totally. mean, I think I think you're awesome. I think I'm think <laughs> I love the fact that we are talking about it. Yeah, it's so important, and it's so like, yeah, it's so easy to shy away from as a topic, particularly as a white person coming into it, just feeling like I don't have the right thing to say, and also wondering how to like sometimes my voice is not the voice that matters. Sometimes my voice needs to sit back to ampl- to allow like the black voice to be amplified. And yeah, the all lives matter thing. It's just, <sighs> I could go so deep into all of this, but I think you're so right that it's just a level of misunderstanding. 
but this this is the inherent you know the inherent privilege of walking around spaces as a white person in a sea of white people you know just never having the lived experience that you had of going into Prague as the only person of color and how that would make you feel and even though you're super positive and you like you just take things in stride it's like it's still something that's part of your lived reality that a white person who exists predominantly in white spaces which is the reality for a lot of people would never have to experience yep and Ani and that's and that's where it is I think that's when people like that whole all lives matter thing has come from this this always having to be a part of something always Mm. having to be acknowledged always having to be you know it's it's not like you know, when we talk about women's rights. Well, what about the men? It's like, okay, yes. well, we're talk, we're talk, we'll talk about men in a second. But right now, <laughs> we're talking about women's equality. We're talking about gender equality that includes both men and women in all genders, right? But yes. when we talk, you know, when you, like I think I heard someone say, like when we talk about, like you know, when there's like a breast cancer aware like ride, you're not going to be running on the street saying, "Hey, pancreas cancer matters too," you know, like. <laughs> this is the story that we're having. This is the topic we're covering right now because it matters. It needs attention. And I think a lot of the times, I think some people don't feel comfortable feeling left out. And that is privilege. Yeah. Because when you're always a part of something that you feel so bad that you're left out of one discussion or one community, you feel like you're persecuted. (laughs) Like some people live that life and live that reality that's the only rally they've ever lived, you yeah. know? And so like having something to grab onto is, is, it means something. It mm. means something. And it's a part of identity too. Like how do you identify? For me, I don't only identify as like a black person. I identify as a queer person. Like sure. I'm a gay person. Mm-hmm. I'm not in the closet. I'm quite out. <laughs> um, and I have a partner I've been with for like going on six years. And I, I'm also like a knitter. I, 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 like yeah. you know, being a knitter for me is a huge part of my my reality, and so I kind of like to think about like you know we kind of we don't want to put ourselves in these boxes, but if we put ourselves in these boxes and it comes together and like it starts to spin, like you know it's all it's getting mixed up in there, and like like at the center of it all, there's like a like a beam of light almost, and the light is us, and the light is made up of all the prisms that come together that you know how we identify to make us us and our light is always unique our light shines really bright you know and as long as we feel comfortable in our own light I don't think we'll have we'll ever say anything like all lives matter because you don't have a problem with these people shining bright because your bright your light shines really bright you know Brandy. what I'm saying like yeah. <laughs> jeez cracking me wide open like just Yes, yes, yes. And it's like yeah. I was having this conversation with likening the all lives matter, black lives matter thing to um, a little bit, not to belittle that because this is a separate thing, but in just likening it for the sake of comparison for a friend when we were talking about shine theory about mm-hmm. women, about how shine theory, sure, is applicable to men, however, is maybe right now more important to apply to women. Like, that, yeah, that if you are comfortable in your shine, then you can let everybody shine around you. And the fact that that, you know, that rhetoric right now is really important for women to 
hold on, like to, if it feels right to hold on to that and run with it, just in the same way that Black Lives Matter is the rhetoric that we can use to kind of push that movement forward. And All Lives Matter needs to just kind of, yeah, fuck off. <laughs> just gonna say it <laughs> like you just you can't read the comments like i just anytime there's a discussion mm. around it you, you read the comments man you're just gonna be like what's wrong with the world yeah like, what's wrong with the world man I, I swear but you know and for me this is always gonna make anytime you have a front lash you're always gonna have black lash you know mm. there's you have you know women's equality gender equality gay rights equality you know um you know, you have things move forward, there's always going to be a group of people for whatever reason that fights against it. And it's just our goal and our journey to just keep pushing forward inch by inch. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 One day at a time, one tiny podcast conversation at a time, one call your girlfriend podcast episode at a time. Yes. Yes. Oh, man. Brandy, that's, that was really, thank you for, yeah, just, I think, I think you, it seems to me you have a lot of clarity on these issues and you speak about them incredibly well. And it's such a, like, just an honor to, to hear you talk about it. It's really, I, I feel very happy. (laughs) I feel very excited to have (laughs) been able to talk about those things with you. And I think it'll be really nice to share this with people too. I think so. <laughs> I hope I was clear. I'm trying I to like, like, I was trying to get my thoughts out and like make it make sense. Um, uh, but hopefully yeah. it makes sense after I can I sit down and listen to it. I'm like, oh yeah, that was clear or not. I don't know. Hey, it was yeah, people, you know, yeah, people always enough. reach out to me if if I was not clear on anything. Um mm, I, I will mm. stress the fact that I am not like the voice for all black people. Of course, um, yeah. I am made up of many different things. My reality is very is shaped by that, you know? Um, yeah. And so, yeah. I'm just like yeah. one voice in a very, very layered conversation about race and ethnicity and obviously in the context of craft. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and I think it was, I think it's cool to acknowledge too, like obviously the ethnicity is part of our identity, but it's not you. You are not just yeah. black. You are all these things. Yeah. And that's kind of, you know, and that's like why we're having this conversation is that it's not just Brandy, the token black knitter. It's like Brandy, the <laughs> badass woman who does all these cool things, who also is black, you know? Yes. <sighs> okay. I'm going to try to switch gears okay. <laughs> as much as like, I can't do it probably, but um, advice. For someone who's starting out in the craft world, what sort of advice would you have? Oh my God. Okay. So I'm actually, since I started selling patterns, I'm getting to know knitters a lot better, which is really amazing. Like knowing what, like, especially for new people, like what are some of their apprehensions and like, what are some of the issues that they face as a newbie? And I say they, because I don't feel, I feel so far away from that now, even though like Mm. I still learn new things in knitting and um, but I'm definitely at the point where anything I wanted to learn to teach myself, I could, like, I, I don't have a question. I don't have a doubt. And I think as a newbie, it's kind of like, that's not the case. So anyone new, I would highly recommend like <clears throat> finding like people on YouTube that you really, really connect with, um, in terms of like their teaching style, their video, like aesthetic. And I particularly like, um, Pro Soho does really great videos on like how to videos. They do a fantastic mm-hmm. job. Um, there's a woman called Very Pink Knits, 
And she had like a huge subscription, like um, like following because she her like her her feed is like daily almost. Like she posts videos a lot, and I really love her. And there are some others. Um, there are some others I, I can't remember them now. But in terms of like getting and connected with um, YouTube folks, is is gonna help you a lot. Um, and like get a, like rent books from the library, like buying books and get really expensive really quickly and not always, they're not always going to answer the questions you need. So like going to the library is like the best thing you can like do for your money and for your knitting life because there's like so much there now um, and you don't have to pay for it. Um, so yeah. And, and then also I, if you can use natural fibers, um, if you can use wool, um, I love Peyton's and I use Peyton's for my like ready-made line for my, my like my knitwear. Um, Peyton's roving wool, it's like 100% wool. It's fantastic. And it's only, it's not a lot of money a ball and you can make like a hat. You only need two or three to make a scarf and it would just make you like fall in love with knitting in a whole nother way because you have like this really great, you know, item that's made with something from the earth and you feel like you feel better wearing it you just feel better wearing it um um, so yeah if you can use like find like paint and roving ones an affordable alternative um to synthetic fibers I, i highly recommend yeah cool yeah i'm with you on that it's like sometimes i teach i'll teach a class with an acrylic or a blend or something and it's just hard like there's this part of me that sort of breaks a little bit each time where I'm like oh this you know it makes sense to do because I otherwise this can't be an affordable workshop yeah but at the same time so much of my love of knitting comes from the actual fiber and that fiber that I love like you know the ones that really make your needles sing that's the natural fibers usually so it's a tricky Somewhere in in there, you know, in between yeah. that space. Yeah. Just figuring that out. <laughs> uh, who should we be following in the fiber arts world? Oh, my God. Karen Templar from Friends yeah. Association. Man, she's a beast. Oh, yes. Oh, Karen. my God. Like, I only, I don't know where I, where in the world I've been, like, I kind of regret not getting into, like, selling patterns and, like, really delving into the knitters of Instagram like earlier in my like like make money to knit knit to make money kind of life but yeah I just only recently discovered her and her blog is insanity I'm just like she's just like pouring out pages and it's dense it's like three paragraphs one picture dense of information (laughs) I'm like damn Carrie she's just giving it away so I highly recommend following her she has like a huge following because she gets the job done like she just shares so much knowledge um, she's talented. She's always creating new work. I, I highly recommend her. Um, yeah. I love, love, and see, this is where we talk, see, this is where we're talking, where we're talking about, like, I'm thinking, do I know any brown people I could shout mm. out on, on these podcasts that, like, comes to mind? Um, but I identify other ways, so I don't know. Let's, let's talk about a, a guy, since guys yeah. are not really, um, I awesome. love Stephen West. Um, yeah. and he, he's amazing. I've like hung out with him a handful of times because went since he's visited New York and he's just like, oh, I'm all, like, I love him so much. <laughs> jealous. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you should be jealous. I mean, you should be jealous. I love so him jealous. so much. He just knits. He's knitting all the time. And so when yeah. people like, people want to hang out, I'm not, I'm less inclined since I open my business. Like it has to be like, I like plans. I like 
this is when we're going to meet. This is the time we're going to meet. This is when we're going to be done. And then we're, we're going to do this. Um, cause mm. it just makes me feel better about how I'm using my time. Like I like to have like definitive plans. And with him, like, I know I'm always going to be knitting. Like he's always knitting. So I'm always going to be knitting. So he is like, like he fuels all the things I need in my life right now to like create new, new work and new patterns. And so I really love him. I highly recommend him. Um, yeah. But those are like two people that I really, um, I've really gotten to know over the last couple of months that I, I feel really proud to like call my friends. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think yeah, those two. Let's look with those two. Yeah. <laughs> I think plenty I, more, but I'm like. I mean, if you're only gonna do now. two, I think those are pretty good choices. Yeah, those are. <laughs> I think those are. They're they're really good. They're really good. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, Brandy, thank you so much for this chat. It's really good to, just really good to talk to you. It's so good to talk to you. You've just listened to episode 22 of the Close Knit Podcast. If you're enjoying the podcast, please feel free to share it with your friends and review and rate us on iTunes. The show notes for this episode are available at closeknit.com.au slash podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Till next time.